feel like a hamster inside of a wheel running a sprint inside of a marathon while balancing on top of a teeter-totter. This podcast is for you. Welcome to Settle Smarter with me, Dana Look Arimoto. Today's guest is Gary Campbell, all the way from Lynchburg, Virginia. He is a CEO and a founder and an all-around incredible guy who's really figured out how to integrate the five facets of his life. Before we get to our interview with Gary, my producer Paul Godwin asked me to clarify what I mean by settling. Let me ask, for those that are new to this concept, could you define for us the term settling? Great. So settling is both a noun and a verb. It's the action you take when conscious or potentially the action you take when involuntary and not conscious. The noun is what you do with that action in terms of designing your life across the five key facets, your career, with your family, with your friendships, inside of your community, and with your own wellness. Sometimes settling is really smart, and sometimes settling is something you actually don't want to do, but it's some should you believe you ought to. So you settle even if you don't want to. For me, when I hear that term, settling, it sounds to me a little bit like a negative. I settled for that person I began dating, or I settled for that job that wasn't really my ideal. Is Am I right about that? You're half right. And this is where it gets very provocative. It's also possible that you say, I'm crusading, and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to climb that corporate ladder. Whether you even want to or not... Maybe what you actually need to do is settle a little bit more, settle down, settle in, settle for, make a trade-off so something doesn't have to give. So that usage of the term is a little more like what we would call acceptance. It is. It's conscious acceptance, and most of us are not aware of where we're settling, why, and when. Take me inside the five facets. The five facets of life that we all share as a humanity include career, family, friendship, community, and your own well-being. Let's define them for a moment. Career. Sounds pretty obvious, right? Maybe not. Maybe you work from home. Maybe you're a CEO. Maybe you're a full-time student and you're identifying with the word career as the work you're doing to become someone with a career. So however you define it, just know there's work being done inside of this facet. Now let's move to family. Again, it may seem a little bit obvious, but perhaps not. In the first book I wrote about Stop Settling, Settle Smart, where we blow up the notion that there's such a thing as work-life balance in order to trade it off for integration. What we really define is that Blood is not thicker than water. So if you want to put friends inside your family facet, you go do it. Now let's talk about those friendships. Again, not so obvious, even though there's a word that you hear and you identify with 
take a step back for a moment and really think more deeply about your friendships, the ones you want and the ones you don't, the ones that are both giving and receiving and the ones where you're giving and not receiving. Friendship in these facets is intended to be by design, by choice, who you want to spend time with. Again, always looking to derive joy, productivity, and value. Now let's think through your community. Everyone seems to have a different definition. So it might be church or your neighbors giving back, working in a soup kitchen. It might be taking a nature walk and not talking to anybody, but you're out inside of your community. So again, put in your own definition here, but keep it inside this holding tank that I call community. And last, but absolutely never least, is well-being. Your spiritual, mental, emotional wellness, your vitality, however you spend time inside of this category or facet called well-being, make sure that you're not leaving this one on a shelf. Time for a pulse check. With the settling spectrum, I have identified through my research and through working with individuals and groups that there are five ways that you may be settling. Either it's always true, never true, rarely true. It's often true or sometimes true that you are settling. Now think to yourself for a moment, is this a good thing? or not? Are you settling for more or settling for less? And most people cannot possibly sustainably, authentically settle in all five areas of life all at one time without burnout. That's great. Let's bring it around to you as an example. When you relayed your personal story in Stop Settling, Settle Smart, I noted that when you were at the height of your busy, busy corporate life, you had some regret about how much you could plug in to your kids' school, to your community. Say some more about that. I didn't realize at the time because I was so in it, trying to be it all and have my all and do it all at one time, a little bit of a superhero complex. I really didn't know consciously that I had a choice and I didn't need to make massive trade-offs and life changes in order to take a little bit of time and derive some productivity, joy, and value out of that time by moving it into the family facet or moving it into the community facet where I longed to be. In fact, this is where I first discovered that settle is not a dirty word. So where were you able to settle or how did you carve out more time so you could spend it in your community? So one of the ways I adjusted, and I don't mean to make light of it, but it is funny now that I'm not sick anymore. I like to call it pneumonia. So pneumonia happened. Pneumonia happened every year, like clockwork. And I had all these excuses that it was the season change. I had just come off a conference season. I was traveling. It was very germy. My kids were germy. Like I had all these amazing reasons that kind of justified it's okay to get 
intensive pneumonia once a year and I'd work while I had pneumonia. It was not a pretty sight. So, you know, computer and headset and coughing and phone calls and laying up in bed. And it dawned on me that there must be a better way. And for some of us that are really driven, it takes getting sick or hitting a wall to actually give yourself permission to go from that current state to that desired quality of life state, to spend a little more time in other facets, which means you have to take time out of the big facets where you're spending most of it. Cool. So to universalize it, how can I or our listeners implement some of these changes? Great. First of all, if you're the person that skips the PTA meeting because you just can't leave work, as long as that's what you want, cool. However, if you're feeling bad or guilty, then perhaps it's time to attend a PTA meeting. Your employer is probably not going to care. And some of you are the employer, so just give yourself permission. What about that dinner date you keep pitting off with your significant other or partner? How many times do they have to ask before you just make the time? Whatever it is you're doing one night a week or one night a month or whatever you agreed to, it can wait. Go have that date. Now let's hear from today's special guest, Gary Campbell, CEO of Johnson Health Center. We're on a boat. What? Yeah. (laughs) I want to be on a boat. Come to Half Bay. Meet Paul. Paul, Gary, Gary, Hi, Gary. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? I'm going good. Good. I'm honored and flattered and all that kind of good stuff at once. Excellent. Gary, the reason we wanted to have you on as our first interview on the podcast is because Dana considers you somebody who has had great success with integrating the five aspects of life as she's outlined in the book. Somebody who is essentially settling smarter. It's certainly an accurate description of how I want to run my work and life. Of course, Danny is a, gr- is a great friend. And we actually had her in to speak at our health center a couple of years ago and do some work with our leadership team. And what it taught me and what I try to teach others is that, you know, you don't have to separate the two and you shouldn't separate the two. So we're very intentional. You know, the health center that I'm the CEO of, I have fought back requests from time to time to open on Sundays and to be open later hours in the evenings because I'm a strong proponent of our staff being able to have that time to, uh, you know, decompress, be with their families. And we work very hard so they don't forget that. When I was researching Anish concepts for the book, Gary, you and I decided to set up some check-ins to help hold each other accountable. And we were playing with the three facets that we wanted to spend more time in of career, family, and well-being. We were, because I I can remember calling you on one of my little um, breaks when I was taking my nature walk, you know, clearing my head. And and you were saying you were, I think that particular day you were like, ah, I'm trying, um, we got to, we got to reboot this thing and we're going to you know, hold each other accountable. But yes, we did. And we still do, even afar. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up nature walks because earlier this year, Dana appeared on the podcast Office Baggage and they were talking about Randy Zuckerberg, who has a new book. And in her book, she breaks down these categories of work and life. And for the area that Dana identifies as well-being, Randy has two areas, which are basically fitness and sleep. 
So if we drill down into well-being, how do we break that down? There's fitness, there's sleep, there is diet, there's prayer and meditation. And for me, nature is a big part of this. It's more for, you know, my wife is the one, I, I can't take any credit for this because now we, we have a place on the coast as well. So we get to look, we get to enjoy some of the water. And, um, and I think when I'm there, I tend to, re- to release more because the ocean, I just look at the, uh, when I look across uh, the balcony of the ocean, the majestic view, the powers, the, everything that I see, you know, I look, this is, wow, God's done some great work here. I mean, I'm just a little piece of it. When I'm home on my five acres, which is where my wife tends to um, really spend a lot of time, she's the one that's it, it's really oriented me towards that. And, and she says, just slow down, take a walk. You know, don't, when I go out, I, you know, I was accustomed to looking at the, tr- you know, the forest. She's helped me look at the trees, the branches, the flowers, and I'm doing more of that. And it really does, you really have to look and say, wow, um, and when you do that, your mind tends to relax a bit. At least mine does. Isn't that fascinating? I myself have had that experience of being so wrapped up in my own thoughts, my own to-do lists, or or negative thoughts, you know, feelings of not getting enough done, um, regret, um, and second-guessing myself, and not even noticed yes. the trees that I'm sitting there looking at. And then all of a sudden having that experience of being like, Oh, look, there's a tree. And (laughs) that feeling of getting outside myself and that peace. So we could do a a 30 second coaching session right now. And we don't have anybody calling in today, but that is part of the future of the podcast. It's if you feel the need to speed up, slow down, which is a coaching tool I use with leaders and executives and anyone I can have listen to the story, my own children, they -hmm. get annoyed. But, you know, I can talk to Gary's kids. He can talk to mine. I can talk to Paul's. He can talk to mine, but you can't talk to your own kids. So (laughs) tune out now, any of our kids listening. So we have to slow down. And when you feel the need to speed up, most of us, especially for wired or type A or overachievers or in Silicon Valley or on the fast track, we tend to feel like if we speed up, it's okay. As long as we slow down a little in the curve with the intentionality of speeding up after. And actually what I teach is instead, when you're feeling accelerated, pull yourself back. It's the mm-hmm. best way to have performance enhancement later. And it's a real discipline. It is. And I think, and that's great advice, Dana. And, you know, Paul, Dana, I would just share that I went through some really overwhelming, uh, overwhelming period in the last couple of months where I just was, uh, things were, uh, things were really creeping up in a hurry. And I got, and I let it happen. And I let my own self get overwhelmed with it, with, with you know, sort of what seemed like un, uh, unattainable you know, task in front of me. And then I just, you know, I took that walk the one day and I noticed one of the trees that was actually almost dead, but I said, I just focused on the tree for a minute and I'm like, wow, everything is still. And when I got back in and I said, now nah, we're going to write down what really has to be done and what really doesn't, what's on fire, what's not. And you know what? Not much was on fire. It was just a couple things that need to be addressed, but it, it just, it gets to a point where if you let yourself get overwhelmed, you will be overwhelmed if you choose. And so uh, again, it is slowing down in order to make sure you go the appropriate speed when you come out of that turn. Yeah, it reminds me of that phrase that 99% of the things that we are fearful are going to happen never do. And 99% of every moment is excellent. That's it. 
It's is, happening. <laughs> it, is, it is so true. Um, I mean, we could talk about this for the rest of the evening. Um, I, this stuff just fascinates me. We'll return to our interview with Gary Campbell, CEO of Johnson Health Center, in the second half of the program. But right now, Dana is going to share a client success story. So think of yourselves while I tell you this story about a client, because we might all be this client, unique to our own situation and relative desire. So this particular client is crushing it. She's working about 80 hours a week. She's in a late stage tech startup. She has two little boys. She's married, all these multiple hats that she wears. And in fact, what she realized in our work together is where she was settling unconsciously around well-being. She gave up jogging, not because of time, even though that's what she told herself. It was really because she had traded it off for more and more and more work and didn't see that there was more time feasible and that giving up a little bit of that career time might afford her more well-being and jogging time until right in front of her, dun, 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 outside the window of her office, she would watch her head of product technology run around the lake day after day, week after week. And eventually when she said to me in a coaching session, she was having a hard time connect with him on a work-related issue, I actually saw that as my opportunity to go in to teach the settle smarter method. And I said to her, hey, what if you were to jog with him, work out together, both in a work context and a well-being context. And at first she was resistant and said, well, I don't think I could match his speed. And then she said, well, that would really take away from my constant working and eating at my desk lunchtime. And finally she realized she sounded a little bit too much, too extra, and said, okay, yeah, let's give it a shot. So we agreed that there'd be one hour incrementally per week where she would run with him or jog, as it were. He slowed down a little bit. She sped up. They talked through work issues. And in fact, they became really good jog partners more than one day a week. And their relationship has also improved, giving to herself while giving to a colleague. And the company benefits its performance and Enhancing. Welcome to Settle Smarter with me, Dana Look Arimoto. Now let's get back to our interview with Gary Campbell, CEO of Johnson Health Center. So Gary, when you think about all the hats that you wear, so for people that have most of their time, energy, joy, productivity derived in the career facet, how do you divide your time a little bit? Would you be willing to share your formula for success? Absolutely. It's yeah, I, number one, I surround myself with, with a really great people and even great people outside of my own organization. And when, you know, the bulk of my time, at least at this stage of my life, is focused as the CEO of Johnson Health Center in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's just, you know, we're responsible for a lot of people. We take care of a lot of lives. Um, I want to, you know, I want people to. I want people to do well in everything that they, both staff and patients alike. Um, the rest of it is focused on, you know, my own development work with other people on the outside and consulting and things like that, which you're, you're very familiar with. But I also, I do not, uh, I do not miss workouts. You know, if my time's in the gym, and that's very, 
Um, that is very special to me. Um, I do my, I do a morning devotion. You know, I'm very st- strict on that 20 to 30 minutes where, you know, it's just me and God. I do, um, I have hooked up with a, a softball group in Myrtle beach. I intentionally go down once a month and play softball with a bunch of 15 over guys in that nothing gets in the way of that. And I make sure that happens. And, and that's just, that's just an addition to the things that I do with, you know, my wife and uh, my two grandkids now, which yes, I do have grandkids now. Wow. All at once. <laughs> Crazy. But it's being intentional. It's about not letting one thing um, take over, you know, large portions of your life. So for those conscious trade-offs and priorities, which is exactly why you're our first guest on Settling Smarter and talking about the intention and the choice behind moving things around those five key facets, again, career, family, friendship, community, wellness. And you said something so important. You don't let things get in the way of things that mean the most to you. If you think back 10 or 20 or 30 years for a moment, what advice would you give your younger self on that? Wow. Um, I think I would probably, as I think back, I, uh, there was times in my life, maybe 30 years ago, I wasn't as serious as I am now. So you know, there was no issue with not taking myself seriously back then because I was, you know, I had a lot of fun. I think I, if I could give myself a, a advice now, it would be to listen more, um, listen more and, and really and pick out the the people you admire the most and really spend time with them and spend time to get to know what's what's great about them, what might not be so great about them. And don't think you can do it all yourself and don't try to be everything. You don't know it all at 20 and 30 and even 40 years old. And even at my age now, I do not know it all. And But I know enough to say I will find somebody that can help me through these things and help me get better. That's the advice I would give myself. You're really integrating and blending your different facets of life. And I saw it firsthand at work when I was at your healthcare center and, you know, doctors and nurses and practitioners and uh, people that are at the reception desk who greet you when you come in, like everyone was treated exactly alike with such humanity and they seem to really get it. And that starts with you. And so for leaders, I always say people follow what you do, not what you say. So can you just talk about that a little bit? You're exactly right. We just, an example was this week, we, we had our, uh, we had a retreat with our OBGYN group, which has grown really significantly just since you were there. And we have a new young lady who came from a large hospital system who's going to code for those folks. And she was shocked. And this is great. She's shocked that the CEO would speak to her. Um, and she was shocked that the CEO followed up with her during the week and just uh, in, in casual conversation. So, and it, it really, I, I think that's the thing. And it goes back to how do you advise your younger self? Humility is so important if you can, uh, you know, if you can exhibit those qualities of being a servant leader and being humble and not letting the ego get in the way uh, because you have a title or because um, you've arrived or things like that, those are the kind of things where people truly, I, I think, gravitate to. At least it's worked for us. And, you know, I was telling people, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, and thank goodness I'm not because we would all be in trouble. But, you know, it's, it is, it's a, about inviting, um, it's just about inviting people into the relationship, the work-life relationship. And I always say it's doing life with people. And that is what has made us successful. And I will continue down that path. And 
I'm hoping to develop people that are interested in following a similar roadmap to, you know, to get where they want to get. So before we wrap, what would you tell our listeners that are struggling with what I call managing up? It's hard for them maybe to get into the CEO's office to have a hard or maybe a challenging conversation around, I want to trade off some of my time at work to spend a little more time at home, or I want to bring more of my authentic self to work, and I want to bring some of my personal vision or mission or even friends or my dog, who knows, to work. How do they have that conversation when it's really maybe hard because it's hard or hard because in their head they feel like it's going to be hard? How do they approach the CEO or the executive? I think before they approach the CEO, they have that conversation with themselves. And you know what I always tell people is, what are you doing to be an employee of choice? And that is, do you know your values? What's your vision? Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Um, you know, there's hard work involved in all this stuff. You know, I've always been a proponent. If you are bringing it every day, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, not everybody brings it hundred percent every day, but if you can, if you're in the 90 to hundred percent range every day then you help people and you're known for the, the value that you bring the conversation with that CEO or whoever that next level up is a much easier conversation to have. That's the first thing you have to do because, you know, if you're not, if you're an obscure resource and nobody really knows who you are and you're just sort of a, you know, you, you know hey, I don't say you're, you're a C player, you may, you may just be just collecting the paycheck. That's a difficult conversation. Um, but, you know, the, the, that's the easiest thing. And, and of course, you, you hope your CEO is approachable enough or whoever your senior leader is that you report to is approachable enough. You know, I always say just let let your value speak. And when your value speaks, those words flow easily. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we do. We I don't even blink an eye when somebody says, hey, I need to work from home a couple of days because I know what they bring. Or we're very flexible. Um, our CFO in communicating the benefits to a candidate recently says, it's the most flexible place I've ever worked because there's trust. And it goes both ways. Trust goes both ways. If you are an employee and you built trust and, and you built a toolkit where people value you, that'll be an easy conversation to have. Yes. And knowing what you want before you walk into the CEO's office is so important. And the conscious trade-offs that come along with understanding where you're settling and where you're not willing to settle will get you prepped so that you're authentic in that conversation. It's confidence. Great. I mean, that is it. That is, that's great advice. And we can look around now. It's, you know, everybody's working. I mean, the, the labor market is really tight and the good talent is getting to pick and choose where they go. And so, you know, be that good talent and you know, bring that value, have that character, uh, be, you know, you have integrity in everything that you do. Make sure your values are aligned with, I would say personal brand is big, you know, protect your personal brand, nurture that personal brand, and, um, you know, just again, create that value proposition for yourself that, um, you know, is indispensable. And I think then, you know, we've got something to work with. Incredible. What a way to wrap. We're so honored. You are the first guest and honored really and truly I could not have picked someone that is closer to my heart and my brother from another mother. And so you gave us a ton of great nuggets, just a ton. Settle Smarter is produced by New Dog Media in association with Phoenix Fifth, who are solely responsible for the content. 
Check the show notes for links to our website, settlesmarter.com, to find Dana Lukaramoto's latest book, take the quiz, read more about today's guest, and to contact us with your response to the show or any questions or comments. And don't forget to subscribe to the Settle Smarter podcast and share the episode. Settle Smarter was recorded and edited by Paul Godwin, who also composed our theme music. Settle Smarter can be heard at Apple, Google, Spotify, and wherever you hear your podcasts. On behalf of Dana Look, Arimoto, and the whole Settle Smarter team, this is Paul Godwin saying, see you next time.